There's so many people starting off the year here in this first week of the new year with a priority list and you've got goals and, and so many of those things are connected to the idea of the good life. You just want to you just want to live the good life. You're just hoping that in 2019, you finally get to really embrace the good life. And what I came to church to tell you today is that the good life starts with real life. It starts with real life. It starts with a real thing. It's not found in just, again, some virtuality. It's not found in just some semblance, but it's found in what's real. It's founded in what's real. In James chapter 1, there in the New Testament, and we'll look at this passage again and again throughout this series, but uh, in James chapter 1 and verse 17, James writes by inspiration of the Holy Spirit, and he said this, he said, every good and perfect gift, and I, I like that he included that term perfect, uh, what we've translated into the English language perfect is actually a, a Greek word that means complete. That's what he's describing here. He said every good and every complete gift is from above coming down from the Father of the heavenly lights who does not change like shifting shadows. And I love the language here. Love the language here. Um, uh, I, I love the old King James rendering of the same verse uh, the way the King James reads is um, every good and perfect gift comes from above, comes down from the Father of lights, in whom there's no variableness. I love that idea. There's no variableness with God. So much of what the world is labeled as the good life is spoiled by the variableness of it all. For instance, uh, what this world, and, and listen, this isn't news to anybody, what this world thinks of when they think of the good life, is they think of money. And they want that money, right? Show me the money. <laughs> and listen, if you're someone who's here today and your child is sick and needs a surgery and you don't have the money for that surgery, then money certainly could be a wonderful thing, right? I don't want to take that away from that reality. At the same time, the variableness of that quote-unquote good life aspect is that all of us know people that money has completely ruined. They, come, they came into it maybe through an inheritance or whatever, and all of a sudden they're leading a completely different life that robs them of their marriage and the respect of their children and, and just destroys their whole life. You see the variableness within all of that? And, and everything that the world is chasing, that they've labeled the good life, comes with that kind of variableness, but not God. He's the same yesterday, today, and forevermore. He's the unchanging God. Come on, let's celebrate who he is. In John 10, 10, we often quote this passage. Jesus said this, he said, there's a thief that comes to steal from you, to kill and to destroy you. But Jesus said, I've come that you might have life and that you might have it to its fullest, that you might have it more abundantly. So what are you saying, Pastor? I'm saying the good life starts with real life, and only Jesus can give you real life. And with that in mind today, I want to point out a truth that we have got to wrap our hearts around. If we're ever going to really experience the real good life, then we've got to wrap our hearts around this truth. And here is that truth. Only God is good. Can you say that with me? Only God is is good. Now we know that because of a conversation that Jesus had with a man that we refer to in the Bible as the rich young ruler. 
And I want you to think about even how we've labeled him reflects the fact that he had the quote-unquote good life on the world's terms. He was rich, he was young, and he was ruling. He had position, he had power, he had health and vitality, he had lots of money, and yet he comes to Jesus and he asks Jesus a question. He said, what, must, he said, what good thing must I do to inherit eternal life? What good thing must I do to inherit eternal life. And Jesus answered his question as he often did with a question of his own. Jesus asked him in Matthew chapter 19 verse 17, why do you ask me about what is good? And then Jesus makes a statement that again, I hope in this series we really wrap our heart around and that is this truth. Jesus said, only God is good. He said, if you want to have eternal life, you must obey his commandments. And the young man said, which ones? And Jesus began to enumerate them, and he said, look, I've done all that since I was just a boy. So check it out. Here's the rich young ruler. He's not only rich, young, ruling class, he's very religious. He can say that he's been keeping the letter of the law, and yet he goes on to tell Jesus something's missing. He said, what do I still lack? I've been keeping those laws since I was just a child. What do I still lack? Now, the rich young ruler knew something that many of us completely refuse to admit to, and that is that there's something missing. We believe the lie that if we just get a little bit more money, if we get just a little bit more status, if we get just a little bit more of everything the world calls the good life, then it'll be fulfilling. But this young rich ruler even though he was religious, knew that none of those things would ever satisfy him. And so he comes to Jesus and he says, what am I lacking? And Jesus said, you need to go sell all your possessions, give the money to the poor, and come follow me. Now here, let me just make sure you understand what Jesus wasn't saying. Jesus wasn't saying you can't have any money and still know the good life. He was just saying you need to lay aside whatever's keeping you from following him because it's in following him you're going to find the true good life. And the Bible says that that rich young ruler, even though he knew that nothing that he owned could ever satisfy him, walked away from Jesus sad because he was unwilling to give up what the world calls the good life in order to truly experience the good life that only God can bring into our existence. Now, it's so important as we wrap our heart around this truth that only God is good, it's so important as we wrap our heart around that that we realize, look at me, everybody in the room look at me. Those of you online, look very carefully right into my eyes. Let me say this to you. If only God is good then we are not. We are not good. Jesus said only God is good. That means we are not. Can I just share with you, that's why we need a Savior. Because all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Did you know the Bible said the very best we can muster, our righteousness, our goodness, the best we can come up with is like filthy rags in the eyes of God. He's good and only he is good. And so that means we're not. And we refuse to accept that. Because, you know, the truth is most of us want to believe that we're, we're actually good. Yeah, we make some mistakes. Every once in a while we drop the ball. But, hey, we are inherently we're good. We're good people. We think of mankind that way. 
We think of humanity as, as basically inherently good. Yeah, there's some bad apples, but that's why we have prison systems. And, and so uh, as a whole, we are basically inherently good. No, 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 no. No, no, no. The Bible says the exact opposite is true. He says we're evil. And we don't want to accept that. If you don't believe that mankind is evil, you ought to walk over to the nurseries with me later today. You're going to get a vivid picture of the evilness of mankind. Right there in the nursery, people taking stuff from each other and demanding that they get their way. And that's the workers. And, and so what I'm saying to you is, I have, a, I have a great niece. I have a great niece. She's six years old. She sat in Santa's lap last month. And Santa asked her, what do you want for Christmas? She said, I want all the toys in the world. He said, all the toys? She said, all the toys. He said, why would, you want, why would you want all the toys in the world? She said, that way all the little children will have to come to my house to play with them. What kind of world dominator is, is this that we're raising? <laughs> but y'all don't be too judgmental of, of my great niece, Kennedy, because after all, you know you want to rule the world. You know, you know you want the world catering to you. You know you want all the toys. It's because... We are inherently evil. He is good. We are not. I showed up in Kenya a few years ago with a team here from the church to do some missions work with our, our longtime friends, Mike and Marigold Cheshire. They do a great work there in Africa. And, um, and when we got there, you know, we said, hello. I hadn't seen Mike in years. He's been a good friend since I was just a young man. And, but I, I don't get to see him. I, I pray for him all the time. We support them monthly. Um, but I don't get to see him. So, so we're, we're catching up. We're saying hello. And he let me know that something that we had planned for the missions trip wasn't going to work out. And I responded to his announcement of that the way you respond to stuff every day that doesn't work out. You know what I told Mike? I said, oh, Mike, don't worry about it. I'm good. It's all good. And Mike immediately looked at me and he said, Jeff, only God is good. And I'm going to tell you right now, it kind of hacked me off. I thought to myself, I haven't seen you in years. I support you every month. Our church supports you substantially every month. I pray for you. Are you going to push back on me like that? And then all, the Holy, all of a sudden, the Holy Spirit really got a hold of my heart. He said, he's right. He's right. You know, we, we do this all the time. I'm good. Or we'll say things like, it's all good. Church, here's how I want you to start your, uh, you ready? <laughs> it's not all good. Happy New Year. No, no, listen. It's, it's not all good. And we are not good. Once again, it's why we need a Redeemer. It's why we need a Savior. But thank God. Here's, that's the bad news. Here's the good news. The good news, He is good. And in His goodness, He's made a way for us to come out of our sin. Come on. Thank God today. To come out of our sin and to be made right with Him. So what are you saying, Pastor, on the first Sunday of the year? As you start this new series, what are you saying to us? I'm saying there's no good life apart from God. The good life, the true good life is only found in a God life. And there's people watching online and there's people right here sitting in this room and you've got priority lists and you've got goals that you've set and it's all about what the world calls good. And yet I'm, I'm just going to let you know, none of that will ever truly satisfy the longing of your deepest soul. Listen, only God can do that because only God is good. There's no good life apart from a good God. And so we need to make Him our pursuit. Jesus put it this way in Mark chapter 8, verse 36. 
He said, what good is it for someone to gain the whole world, to have all the money, to have the nice home and the nice automobile and to make it to that top rung on the ladder at your corporation and and, and to have everything that the world says is the quote-unquote good life. He said, what good is it for someone to gain the whole world yet forfeit their soul? Could we just stop for just a moment and could we consider the words of the wealthiest and the wisest man who ever lived? Maybe you've heard of him. His name was Solomon. Man, when we think of wealth, we think of people like Bill Gates and Warren Buffett and others. Let me tell you something. Nothing compared to this man Solomon. The Bible said that no one has ever been as wealthy or as wise as King Solomon. And yet, you know how he summarized the quote-unquote good life? He said, it's meaningless. Everything is meaningless. And that's the problem with the world's good life. Is it leaves you trapped in a meaningless existence. Can I share something with you? Look at me. God doesn't want that for you. God doesn't want your life characterized by meaninglessness. He wants to fill your life with great eternal purpose. And he does that. By connecting you to his goodness. What are you saying? I'm saying the only good life is a God life. The only good life is a God life. In Ecclesiastes chapter 3, verse 11. The same man, wisest, wealthiest man who ever lived, penned these words by inspiration of the Holy Spirit. In Ecclesiastes chapter 3, verse 11, Solomon said, Yet God has made everything beautiful in its own time. He's planted, watch this, he's planted eternity in the human heart. But even so, people cannot see the whole scope of God's work from beginning to end. Did you hear what Solomon said? He said, God has planted eternity in our hearts. You know why the rich young ruler ever came to Jesus seeking answers in the first place? Is because God had planted eternity in that young man's heart. He knew there's got to be more than wealth. There's got to be more than ruling class status. There's got to be more than religion. There's got to be more. And that's what propelled him towards Jesus. It's the same thing that propelled me towards Jesus over 30 years ago. It's the same thing that has propelled many of you to Jesus. Uh, It is propelling many of you that don't know Christ personally yet, but you feel drawn to him because there's a knowing. There's a knowing Deep on the inside of you that says there's got to be more than what Hollywood and Washington and Wall Street promises. There's got to be more. Friends, there is more. It's a relationship with the only one who is good, God. You can act on that eternal premonition that God has given you. That yes, there's so much more then all of this stuff the world is chasing after, and you can begin to pursue God. Yesterday, uh, we had the homegoing service for a man here in our church that was just a wonderful man of God, and Pastor Bud did a great job uh, leading that homegoing service, and I was there in attendance with many family and friends as we celebrated his life. And I just sat back and I marveled as this, as this man's young son just in his early 20s, great-looking young man, just sharp as they come. He walked up, and he began to share a eulogy on behalf of his family concerning his father and his father's life. 
And as he talked about his dad with such affection, can I share with you that that young man never mentioned the square footage of their family home. He never talked about what neighborhood they bought a house in. You know what he did describe? The love that was in that home. He talked about how his mom and dad, every time he saw them, they were holding hands. He talked about how his dad would leave little love notes for his mother to find all around the house. When they, when they eulogized their father, those, those young sons, they didn't say anything about how much money he made annually. They, they didn't say anything about the rung on the corporate ladder that he had achieved. You know, what he, you know what he did mention? That his dad taught him a good work ethic and how much that meant to him. Can I tell you that the stuff that the world is chasing after, calling the good life, it, it's just virtuality. It's just some, some poor semblance of what God really wants to bring into our lives. The real thing that we should be chasing is Him. Only God is good. So that leads me to just divert for just a moment. Um, and, 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 and I want to bring out an aspect of the goodness of God that maybe you haven't considered. If you're here today and, and maybe... You've thought to yourself, man, I want to I live the good life. Let me just real quickly help you connect the dots. If only God is good, then the good life can only be known through your connection with God. And, and then let's, let's, let's take the next step so that we can see what the good life really looks like. It doesn't look like a bank statement. It doesn't look like a number of Twitter followers. Come on, y'all. What does the, the, the good life really look like? Well, I think the good life or the goodness of God is defined by love. It's love that is going to really characterize the good life within our existence. Now look, even, even a fallen world that's chasing money and status and prestige... Uh, even they understand that love's important, right? Even they understand. They even write songs like, all you need is love, la, 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 la. But then they, but then they chase something else versus love. And by the way, they don't even understand what love is. They don't, they, they don't, even, they don't even get it. Uh, what I'm saying to you today is, is, is in order to have the good life, you've you got to have a love life. And, and I'm not talking about maybe what just came to mind. I'm not talking about your sweet thing. I'm not talking about... You're hunk of a man. I'm, listen, I, when I tell you in order to have the good life, you've got to have a love life. I'm talking about a love life on God's terms. And 1 Corinthians 13 describes that. We often refer to 1 Corinthians 13 as the love chapter. Because Paul writes here by inspiration of the Holy Spirit, and he says in 1 Corinthians 13, verse 4, love is patient. Love is kind. Love does not envy, love does not boast, love is not proud. Love is not rude, love is not self-seeking, love is not easily angered, love keeps no account of wrongs. Love takes no pleasure in evil but rejoices in the truth. Love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. That's what the good life looks like. So let's real quickly, let's break this down. Let me give you 12 biblical traits of the good life. And I know some of you are going, 12 traits? I, I got lunch to think about here. Now, this is going to take me a second. Just going to take me a moment. Here's the 12 biblical traits of the good life. 
Here's how you evaluate. Am I really living the good life? Well, it's got to go beyond the bottom line of your investment portfolio. It's got to go beyond your zip code. Come on, somebody. It's, it's got to go beyond all of that. Here's the 12 biblical traits of the good life. Number one, it's a kind life. Are you kind to people? Do you reach out in kindness to others? Number two, it's a patient life. You want to know if you're living a good life? Go sit in traffic on I-10 trying to get into Baton Rouge at 5 o'clock in the afternoon. You'll find out whether you're living a good life. A good life is a patient life. It's a humble life. It's a considerate life. It considers the feelings and well-being of, of others. The good life is a selfless life. It's a long-suffering life. The good life is a forgiving life. Once again, if you want to evaluate whether or not you're living the good life, look at what you posted on Facebook last week. How forgiving are you? It's a just life. It's a persevering life. It is a believing life. It's a hopeful life. It is an enduring life. That's how the Bible describes the good life. Because only God is good. And 1 John 4, 8 says, God is love. So if only God is good and God is love, then the good life is a love life. Not the love life that you're going to see portrayed on the latest movie Hollywood just produced. But the love life that is described right here in God's eternal word. So let me leave you with this. And then we're going to wade on deeper into this in the weeks to come. And I hope you'll be here every week as we really truly discover together what the good life consists of. Let me leave you with this here today. I'm reading from 1 Timothy chapter 6. And I'm, I'm going to read verse 12, but I'm also going to read verse 18 and 19 of this passage. And I, I want to put this into context for you because most scholars believe this is the second to the last letter that Paul will ever write. His two letters to Timothy were the last letters that he wrote. And at this moment that he writes this letter, his death by martyrdom is inevitable. It's just a matter of time before they're going to take his head. And so he writes to this young man that's overseeing ministries that they have started together. And he gives them this instruction. 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 12. He says, fight the good fight of faith. Notice how he describes that war that he wants Timothy engaged in every day. He says, fight the good fight of faith. Take hold of the eternal life to which you were called and about which you made the good confession in the presence of many witnesses. Notice how he describes Timothy's confession. He calls it a good confession. He talks about fighting a good fight and making a good confession. And, and then in the 18th, and 19th verses that follow. He starts talking to Timothy about people who have achieved everything this world labels as the good life. And here's what he says about them. In verse 18, he says, the rich, and by the way, he's talking about me and you. Whether you know it or not, compared to the rest of the world, everyone in this room is wealthy. We are absolutely wealthy. And you really ought to be thanking God about right now for the way he's blessed us. He said the rich 
are to do good, to be rich in good works, to be generous and ready to share, thus storing up treasures for themselves as a good foundation for the future so that they may take hold of that which is truly life. Remember I said the good life starts with real life. So Paul tells Timothy three things in his closing sentiments that I think we would do well to consider as we start off this new year. This passage says a lot of things about goodness. And here's here's what I want to leave you with today. The true good life is going to include three things. A good foundation, a good confession, and a good fight. A good foundation, a good confession, and a good fight. Uh, The good foundation is the reality that I'm not good. It's that moment when I come to the realization that I can never earn my way into God's favor that I am a sinner in need of a Savior. That becomes the foundation that I stand on in faith for the rest of my life. And on that firm foundation of my faith in the only one who is good, God, I make a good confession. My confession is Jesus is Lord and Savior of my life. Where I'm not good, He is. And by His goodness, He's made a way for me to be made right with God. So I stand on a good foundation, making a good confession and fighting a good fight of faith. Well, Jeff, what, the, what is that all about? What's that good fight of faith all about? Here's what, I, here's what I've learned about the good life. I've learned that the good life always has two lanes. It, it, it always has two lanes. One is blessing. The other is battles. I've lived this thing long enough to know that it's not always blessing, y'all. Now, look, I'm so thankful for the blessing. Anybody else here? You love the blessing. Come on, we thank God for the blessing. But there's been some battles. I'm a blessed man, y'all. I really am. I'm a blessed man. God has blessed me in ways that I could never, ever, ever thank him enough for. You know, can I just be honest with you? This whole thing that... He's good and I'm not. If you ever wondered, you know, why, why people in this room on Sunday morning when we're singing these songs are so demonstrative and they're just shouting and they're singing and they're clapping and they're like into it, man. If you ever wonder, it's because those that have been saved from much love much. We just love much. We just, we just. There, there, there's a lot of blessing There's a lot of blessing. God's been so good to me. One of the greatest seasons of blessing of my life will soon be marked. Easter of this year will mark 20 years that God brought us back to Lafayette and and blessed us with the opportunity to begin to lead this amazing church and all of you incredible people. It's been one of the most blessed seasons of my life. But did you know that just a few weeks into this amazing season of blessing, a battle started I never saw coming. It's just a few weeks into this blessing that we learned my dad had Parkinson's disease and later he was diagnosed with full-blown Alzheimer's disease. And I'm going to tell you right now, it was a fight for me. It was a fight. It was a fight every day to stand and say, despite what I see, God is good. 
Despite what the world has taken from my dad, God is faithful and God is good. I serve an unchanging God. He doesn't shift like shadows. There's no variableness in him. What, what I love about God is that he's good Yes, in the blessing, but also in the battle. Even in the battle, he's there sustaining me. Even in the battle, he's pulling me through. Even in the battle, he's giving me strength that's not my own. Yes, there's blessing. And God's good in that blessing. But there's also battles. And he's good to me in those battles. And friends, that is what truly the good life looks like.